Welcome to the Indian Silicon Valley podcast. I'm your host Jibraj, and on this podcast, I speak with founders, investors, and domain experts from the Indian Valley, trying to understand the art of building a legendary company. In this episode, I speak with Sandeep Kher, director and head of portfolio finance at Sequoia India. Sandeep is a true maverick when it comes to finance having more than 20 years of diverse experiences under his belt ranging from audit to banking insurance to risk management and much more through this conversation with sandeep we deep dive into the world of finance for startups discussing some extremely fundamental pointers that founders and operators can leverage when thinking of the subject Much of our discussion revolves around the core importance and focus on finance for early stage teams and the culture finance teams may inculcate to stand out and effectively add exponential value to an organization. I learned a ton about the world of finance through this episode and I hope you do too. With that, let's dive in to the 55th episode of the Indian Silicon Valley podcast Finance 101. with Sandeep Kher of Sequoia India. Thanks for being on the show Sandeep. Really excited to get started. Hey thanks Jivraj for having me here. You know I'm equally excited on you know coming on this platform and sharing my views, my thoughts on my journey specifically in finance and uh, and talk a little bit more about the startup ecosystem and how we see it from the lens of finance and how we actually believe at Sequoia that this could add immense value to to founders and uh, and the companies themselves so happy to be here and uh, and you know looking forward to the next 45 minutes to an hour absolutely thanks for those very kind words and as you rightly mentioned i think this is going to be extremely valuable for everybody who's listening and tuning in because you've been there done that and seen so much of the ecosystem that i cannot wait to get started so uh, you know let's let's jump right in and you know get the ball rolling with the eye on the dot in the sense that let's let's talk about the importance of finance teams in startups to begin with right extremely fundamental in nature but coming from you i think think it clarify a lot of the myths or conventional beliefs in our heads about finance teams in startups because we might think of them as very conventional roles however i'm sure that the importance of it as we mature as an ecosystem is really shining so i would love to have your insights on this narrative and uh, set the right context as we move forward yeah i mean interesting conversation starter the significance of finance in startups you know obviously i come from a certain background so my views are not going to be very impartial but having said that i'm not probably give you a perspective of you know and some of these are obviously conversations with young founders all around i think whenever the world finance is thrown in a startup office or ecosystem it generally resonates with costs or bookkeeping or accounting and you know honestly neither of them are very attractive topic to approach i mean if you ask me you know as a finance professional would something that kind of a job description excite you obviously not and in the same breath the founder see a very at an early stage would would he or she see value in it i think the answer is no but in my experience i think the the conversation has to be spun in a different manner and you should probably ask a founder or, or the company what is the right price for your product how many customers do you think you need to acquire to break even i think that's when you know the understanding 
and the value of finance can be probably you know well well appreciated uh, quite honestly in the startup world the finance department is actually put put on the uh, you know back burner until unless you kind of go for your your round you know or you 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 are wanting to build uh, you know your business up and you're now trying to figure out what are the key aspects and components that you want to you know you want to focus on i think that's when really the need of of finance is is well understood well appreciated but my view i think there are immense benefits of having a finance expert at an early stage of a company you know and there are some arguments which say that hey it can slow down uh decision making because you know typically you associate finance to come with some processes some procedures you know some time consuming adjustments that 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 they want to put inside the organization and essentially in a startup at least today's pace it's very fast and and therefore you may miss the the advantages of having a strategic finance perspective from the mundane stuff i mean and i'm not to say that that mundane stuff is not important the hygiene that is needed in a business so i think it's very important to keep that balance you know in play and then decide where you are in the spectrum and accordingly move forward in terms of hiring and i and i'm i'm going with the grain that at an early stage company you may may want to think of of a finance hire hire a little differently than from a you know you know in a mid stage or a growth stage company but the need for finance at least to me is quite consistent across all the stages and i'll tell you why in an early stage you know setup typically the founder the 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 team around you know the founder is all busy around establishing the product market fit right and you start experimenting with with whatever your product is you start going to market with different kind of combinations and at that moment you know essentially sometimes you strike up deals where the long term implications around um your margins your cash flow is not well understood and typically where do companies you know go wrong is essentially and i'm just talking this from wrong from a standpoint of the the financial aspects of business right i'm not talking about the other aspects where do companies go wrong typically when you have long lead times to convert your revenue into cash right and if you're not having a good ball on that a uh, control on that then you may end up doing or signing up contracts which could probably just elongate your working capital cycles and therefore what it means is your your need to raise capital may arise sooner than what you would have expected or you may be planning and essentially when i'm just illustrating that through an example therefore you know the need for hiring an expert you know in an organization exists all through all stages we just need to be very cognizant of what is the skill and what is the need that you're hiring for at least that's that's uh, quite honestly you know my thought process on the need for having finance uh, in an early stage organization versus a late stage organization i think the the need exists whether it is fundraise whether it is managing your cash flows whether it is tracking you know your customer segments making sure that all segments are giving you the expected returns that you that you kind of set out with and essentially as obviously scale as you scale then obviously the complexions you know evolve in a different manner and the needs come from from varying angles and the the requirement for hiring folks with different skill sets in the finance function itself kind of you know goes up quite rapidly i hope that gives you some perspective on on you know when to hire i mean i honestly think that the when question is is quite irrelevant to be honest because i think the need exists from day one as i said the calibration has to happen in terms of what kind of and the level of support that you want to give from an early stage to a mid stage to a growth stage 
I think that's the calibration that one needs to do. But the question per se of having finance early on, I think that's a passive for me. No, no, absolutely. I think all of that is in tune with, you know, setting the record straight, because as you mentioned early on, finance is not just that traditional department that manages accounts, right? Especially in a startup, it can have so many other functions, which can uh, do a lot of benefits to the entire functioning of the company. And I love the fact that, you know, you're talking about the consistency and the need for finance at all stages. Of course, it'll be dependent upon and contextual to what the startup requirements are what the bandwidth is like but it's great to understand that you know it exists and it can actually play a very very crucial role i want to illustrate that with one more point you know sometimes it's seen as a cost right and i think that's a very wrong perspective to take on on hiring and i know costs are very important right you and i'm coming from background like finance and having managed through through 2008 and last year i know how important it is to control costs but the point i'm trying to make is that there is a cost to every every resource that you hire in the organization. But there's also a cost to the time that a founder spends on managing that function versus thinking about the core of the organization, what he or she is passionately driving. Now, I feel if a founder spends an hour on finance a day or half an hour on finance a day, that is far more valuable than hiring somebody you know, who has the skills and can do it you know, obviously much better. And But I'll also add value while he or she is doing that function. So I think it's, it's finance hiring should not be seen just from a cost standpoint. I think it should also be seen from a standpoint that how much bandwidth it allows or liberates the founder from not spending on that aspect of business, which is probably not essentially the core of the business today to begin with. You know, it will become core as, as you end up signing up more contracts, you end up signing, having more customers, business scales up, et cetera, et cetera. I think that is an important lever. Sometimes people, you know, kind of overlook in their decision-making. And I would urge all young founders to think like that. And as I said, again, I think it's about calibrating what level of support you need or expert expertise you need, but it is, it is important to have that from an early on because it just helps building you a very solid base. Fair point, fair point. I think, again, completely agree with the perspective that, you know, it's not about what if, like, if you require a finance team, it's about how much of it and how do you want it? Like, the if question perhaps does not exist. And I think that that's a great, great cue out there and sets the ball rolling in absolutely the right direction. Further on, I think this is now a great segue to also ask you, you know, what was it about the industry that attracted you to, let's say, make your career transition? over the years because from what I could understood you know you graduated then you had a ton of different uh, in-depth experiences in a variety of roles and now you're at Sequoia helping startups adding value to an immaculate level right so I think it'd be a great way to understand from your own journey as well if you can provide some more context to you know your foresight to the decisions that you made your reasoning and uh, the reasoning behind your choices primarily I think that give us a great insight as to you know how somebody like you thinks about career choices and what was your uh, decision making framework i may not be the best person to kind of you know give you a perspective on the rationale for for decisions that i made some of them have been uh, more out of uh, you know so what has always given me to think about choices that i make is is about the opportunity to learn and and learn about something new either from an industry standpoint or a new skill standpoint and I, I'll probably hone in on, on, on that with a few examples. So quite honestly, you know, if you ask me 
was uh, you know coming into the startup ecosystem a design choice i'll be honest and i'll say no it wasn't i was not thinking of 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 getting into um, the startup ecosystem and seeing it from this close lens and working with some of the best minds uh, you know both inside the ecosystem and outside with founders i think it's honestly quite honestly a privilege a blessing the way i think about it and i think i've been just lucky to land here but but maybe some of that you know luck also comes with you know a little bit of a thought process that i've always had and which is about as i mentioned to you of about embracing new challenges and you know i'll probably start with an example i was i was with the kotak mahindra group you know at an early stage of my career at a very early stage i was given the responsibility of managing the entire region both sides of the balance sheet assets and liabilities you know super blessed and a reasonable position to be at at uh, you know after like one and a half years of qualification and doing doing reasonably okay i would say but then at that point of time this opportunity knocked out my on my door you know in the form of joining in the sunrise sector as they would call it at that in that era i mean today nobody talks about sunrise sectors and that was insurance opening up of insurance in india i didn't know anything about insurance all i knew was that it seemed like a very challenging opportunity and back in the day you know jivraj they were never the startup term was never used it was about setting the foundation of a business working with an organization where you have to build everything from scratch nothing was existing i was amongst the you know maybe top 50 employees in the organization essentially large part of that organization was all all sales folks because you know you know in an early organization you still want to kind of get the engines running sooner i was among the you know maybe two three four people along with the cfo and controller at that point of time to be part of the back end team and for me the decision was about sticking with the company which is which was very robust strong had set systems processes and obviously continuing to evolve and get into newer things versus being part of a of a, a ship which was just setting you know sail and and the ship was also not a you know not a full ship it was it had all semblances of being a great ship but it had to be still all the parts had to still be put over there and that choice for me and i quite it's quite funny because you know the role that i signed up for at the time of my interview was a very different role that i landed up on my day one of the job i was being reviewed or interviewed for for working very close with the internal auditor because this was a us company uh which was wanting to set up shop in india and you know they wanted to kind of make sure that there was a good check and balance in the organization from day one itself and again you know moving internal internal audit from my role where i was managing pnl in the early stage was a very different role but i said okay let me get you know get me get my hands into a new setup because of curiosity of for for getting into a new business being part of an organization which is just setting sail and obviously immense learning opportunities you know and, and some of these things obviously have have become sharper over a period of time you know those thoughts were not probably as strong as they are today but that's how i thought about it and as i mentioned to you, you know i interviewed for that met the cfo head of hr and many other people in that process and day one when i land in the organization they say that hey you know what we think there is a better need for your kind of talent to be in in a certain function and we believe that the organization will immensely benefit and we can do the audit thing later on i said okay let me jump in and um, i land in an organization i you won't believe it you know when i stepped into the office on the 12th floor in dlf square i had to jump over boxes and cartons of stuff that was lying in to get to my desk because it was that new it was that new a setup 
we don't know what to do where to start from and uh, i started managing a team of outsourced people to to do bank reconciliation and and doing it myself as well you know taking i used to work on weekends to make sure that we are keeping up pace with the business we didn't have technology we had no systems we were designing tech at that point of time so you know and that that led to immense learning i you know those five years that i spent in that organization was really the foundation of of what i am all of of today because it taught me a lot it taught me about how to set up systems processes how to think of business how to think for business how to keep pace with business because you know essentially in a retail organization you know from when i joined as i mentioned to you right 50 50 maybe 60 employees in the organization we were about eight offices when i left in 2007 maybe i think we were close to 500 offices across india very different scale a very different tech platform everything digitized i'm talking about 2007 right we were we were digitized we we were not relying on manual processes and that shaped my career a lot and and quite honestly you know that's why when i today and i'm jumping forward now to 2021 now when i worked with startups is very not very difficult for me to imagine what their needs are and also at the same point i be very empathetic to how they are going through that journey because you know i have gone through that journey sometimes you don't have all the answers and uh, sometimes you kind of come up and you know and, and looking at a dead end in terms of uh, you no know, solutions coming your way or problems insurmountable so it kind of you know helped me you know today to come and work with this ecosystem but i think the only point i'm trying to make is that from those 5 years that i spent in that organization which was a sunrise sector so to speak very startupish venture i jumped into completely different 5 years later with g and again you know it was about wanting to be part of an organization where finance actually is at the forefront and you know i don't know if you know much about g but i think again a organization that i'm hugely indebted to in terms of how my career shaped because you know from being at the back end you know where you were enabling business and you still had to keep up pace and you were still part of a very high paced energetic organization you suddenly took and in, jumped into a company where you were at the front along with the ceo trying to find the path for the organization i joined them in 2008 and then 2000 sorry 2007 and 2008 you know you know the gfc happened and clearly from a very profitable organization we were staring at, at huge amount of losses because this was unsecured this was unsecured lending business that i was part of huge learnings um you know how to get an organization from almost the debt to to where it is it's a listed company by the way today hugely successful listed company and you know i can honestly proudly also say the fact that i had a part in kind of building the base for and foundation of the organization you know where it is today and that again had had a lot of learnings uh curiosity for me to you know go into something area business that i didn't know of role that i had not performed i think that that pushed me and one maybe another example is my last role before i joined sequoia i think i was i was doing something completely different completely different on the other side other spectrum i was a chief risk officer for a life insurance company and i jumped into venture investing very different businesses very different mindset very different thought process but the only reason you know i i got into risk management was because one i was given this opportunity by the board to and the ceo and the cfo to say hey why don't you pick up something like this we think it will be good because we don't want somebody to come with you know risk management skills but we want somebody to come with more business thought process and we think you can bring that coupled with risk management would you be keen to you know set this function in the organization and trust me it wasn't easy even though i was part of that organization for goddamn 7 years but building acceptance for a function which just got seeded 
maybe a couple of months back and building acceptability getting a seat on the table you had to do a lot i mean you had to convince people up and people down in terms of why this is needed at the same point of build the team so i've always got intrigued and energized by doing things which are you know not had not been done i get challenged by that and i you know i think you know i excel in in that opportunity uh when given of doing something new and creating something you know with your own hands and that's the reason i took up that role and you know as luck would have it sequoia role landed out of nowhere as i said earlier as well on this uh show that i was not planning for it okay uh, i'll be very honest and sometimes you know god has very uncanny ways of getting you to do what you always want to end up doing and um, you know 2016 is when i moved into into sequoia fag end of 2016 it's been four plus years it's been an excellent journey uh, you know as i mentioned you working with the best of minds inside and outside of of the organization seeing so much across india southeast asia i think it's been a blessing i think a privilege and again over here you know you're doing so much i mean i may have uh, almost 20 years of experience but you know today the the demands of businesses demands of founders demands of some people from varying geographies are so unique that they challenge you in in every possible way and i thought at one point of time you know after you almost close to two decades of experience you think you get a little cocky right you think oh nobody can come and teach me no but i i can honestly tell you that a lot of things that i have i am still doing are giving me immense learning and that's what is equally challenging and motivating because you know you're learning you're in you're innovating at the same point of time and you know that's how i have kind of looked at my career the curiosity to learn the the tenacity to survive in those in those different situations is what kind of you know pushes me forward and that's how i have always thought about my career you know wherever i feel there is a opportunity for me to pick up something new you know i kind of end up signing for that so the curious mind and the i i would say two things i would call out the curious mind and the and the desire to continue to learn i mean very longish answer to sorry your question but i thought this i kind of you know hone in on that with a little bit of of examples from uh, you know from from my life no no i i love that honestly that spectacular to hear because i don't know my observation from that entire chain of thought was purely the acceptance to taking up challenges and putting yourself in those vulnerable positions and coming out as a winner because i think just inculcating that behavior and being okay with discomfort and just taking on those challenges which was very evident right at no point in your career did you take the easy route you took the more challenging route you made that bold choice and you succeeded irrespective and learned as you mentioned so i think that is a great great cue for anybody listening because i think it takes a lot to be able to make those bold choices because it could be very easy on the other hand to just be where you are keep going along with the boat and keep sailing right but to take onus and to take direction of that boat sail it yourself is is another perspective all together which i think was very evident through your entire answer so i think completely loading that effect and something i am definitely going to take back from this episode so thanks a ton in fact for being so elaborate and contextual you know you bring one thought in my mind and this is what my wife keeps telling me that why do you thrive in disruption and uh, uh, you know my answer to that always has been that it's just given me so much to learn and uh, and unlearn and learn i think that's most that's very important right because you can't carry 
the baggage of learnings from the past you have to unlearn and learn very quickly and i think that's what so you know that's what uh, keeps me going and <laughs> i joked over that that's what also keeps me young <laughs> No, no, I, I think that's completely evident as well. And just like, just, just the demeanor by which you're talking as well. I think it makes it so evident. But moving forward, you know, an interesting question just popped up in my head and just out of pure observation now. And, and I read this from your, I think, uh, if not counterpart, Alfred Len of Sequoia, who talked about, you know, CFOs are great storytellers, right? And from what I could observe with all the storytelling, contextual anecdotes and everything that you've said till now, uh, I'd love to perhaps, you know, for you to give us more context to this sentence, this phrase, because from what I could gather, we talk about storytelling a lot in the context of founders, right? But this phrase was in itself very fresh for me because, okay, again, like at the expense of being stereotypical, you don't associate storytelling with finance too often, right? But I, I think I'd love to hear from you what you think of this, how important it's been for you and what your advice to young career professionals in the finance field might be in line with storytelling mm. you know it's a it's it's a little bit of a challenge in the kind of the way at least today you know people people have conventionally perceived uh, cfos to be and i think it's also a function of you know the the kind of learning platform that um, you know they come from i think to me the the answer is that there is no debate about about the fact that you know whether you should be doing it or not i think it's a given you should be doing it but as i said because of 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 the platform today that where you know the cfos come from i think it kind of it is not as enabling as lasseum when you come from a from an mbf kind of a platform i think so that i think that differentiation people should should keep in mind and also should appreciate because you know it takes time for people to to come up to that level having said that i think the short answer to this is you have to have to be a storyteller and that doesn't mean that you come and gossip your way out and you give bullshit but i think it's very important for people to understand where you are and how you are there and what got you there because if there is no appreciation of that then i think people will probably you know think that this was bound to happen and you really didn't put as much effort let me put it that way or you didn't follow you know the painful process of getting to a stage where you are so from that standpoint i think it's important to build that narrative and come out come out um, you know with with your story and not just story for from a standpoint of contextualizing you know business performance but about everything i think uh, so so from from my standpoint i think as alfred lin had has alluded to you know it's very important uh, for today's you know cfo to have the uh, the art of of doing that uh, that storytelling compared to maybe you know maybe 5 years ago i think the cfos would have would be looking very different but i think today you know the cfos have to transform into that strategic role and if you have to transform to that strategic role i think it is very very important that you know they kind of develop that aspect now as i mentioned to you earlier that you know this is a little bit of a challenge because of the the enabling background that we have today but should cfos practice that i think honestly they have to practice that because that is what will also i mean and also think about it right i mean there are there are a few people in the organization the, let's assume there is a ceo there is a cfo uh, there is a chief distribution officer now each one has a role to play and each one is facing the 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 market is facing external stakeholders now you can't have only the ceo doing the front ending of all of this right so therefore 
jobs and roles that you're performing i think it's important for cfos to to bring that aspect out in themselves and then be enable that for the organization and in the organization and also at the same point of time they you know they bring a very different perspective and people would like to to understand from that and you can't just not have that that ability now you know is that changing i think yes it's changing has it changed enough i don't think so what we need to do that is you know i think it again is is a is a little bit of chicken and egg you know sometimes cfos might think that hey this does i'm not given enough opportunity to do that my question to to folks would be have you seized enough opportunities to do that so so i think it's a little bit of that but to me as i said it's a no brainer that you know cfo cannot be somebody who's sitting at the back he has to be at the front and especially in today's in complex environment i mean you know you can't expect anybody any single person to know every aspect of the business and therefore you know it is it is imperative for folks who in the c suite in a young organization of course we talking of that they have the ability to you know narrate the the story out it helps them of course in building up a credible career but it also helps the organization and um, allows everybody to to understand different perspectives especially sesalum if investors come into a in a business right you're only talking to a founder uh, you're hearing you know one side you would want to get another perspective now if you if you have a cfo who's not able to put that into a narrative narrative it could be a little challenging for an incoming investor or not an existing investor also right to understand where the business is what form shape it is also articulate the problems understand what the challenges are seek help at the right moment now you have to you have to have that ability is what i think absolutely i think you know wonderful to hear that again i think the question maybe juraj at some point you should pose to people is how to enable that i think it's not about whether you should be doing it not i think it's a question about how we do it absolutely as you said once the recognition and the realization is there that it needs to be enabled the next question is of course how and if everybody can work towards it i think it'll be a more thriving ecosystem as it already is but of course it'll, it'll get even better so i think that was wonderful to hear you know and it clarifies a lot of brings a lot of fresh perspective i think to be on the lookout for those fresher ideas and get rid of those stereotypes maybe it's just one more thing and i think if cfos have to think about what next for them right and i mean in the organization if they have to if they believe that they have to transition into a ceo role i think this is the most important aspect that they will have to know. i think cfos know everything except for this art of storytelling and if they believe that they have the all the all the things that are required all the ingredients that are required you know to become a ceo i think the only skill i would say that is missing is this ability of of being a storyteller and that's what you know this should it should inspire them it should push them to pick up and become better at it it has to be the cfos have to become a powerful powerful narrator is the way i think about it think that plug in in fact you know if anybody is taking away one thing from this episode it can definitely be the enabling function of storytelling for finance professionals also because i think you know finance can tend to get a bit technical at times but just to be able to simplify and break it down to the org is so important absolutely now you bring a very important point and sorry belaboring on this one but think about it when you're presenting financial statements to your board to investors uh, public market and you know you, there's a maze of numbers over there right and you may have a footnote at you know below which kind of says something 
but not everybody you know there are thousand readers thousand minds reading that particular statement seeing that number how do you communicate to them what it means and what it implies and what's the how did you get there what is the future of it now if you don't let that story out you would be a, doing a disservice to your profession and to the organization that you part of because people will form many different views and carry that with them whereas they should have one view which should be your view and i'm not saying you know you know cook up a, a cock and bull story but have the ability to to share what that means and how it has happened and what it means for the future i just wanted to you know to 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 the point that you were making this probably bring it out through an example in terms of why it makes it imperative for cfos to to have that you know point of view the emphasis is extremely important and great to have you elucidate further on it because coming from you it reinforces the belief more and more and i think it's very important to reiterate and echo that factor until it gets ingrained within the system so a great to hear that sandeep but moving further and you know taking as we enter the end phases of the episode i'd love if we can take you know part of the episode and dive into a couple of technicals in terms of you know team building and more about finance that we might want to understand in terms of you know a uh, startups because i still think that there's so much so much of it is a black box that you can perhaps you know simplify for us that i'd love to that maybe sets us for part 2 of this episode uh, yuvraj that we pick up on understanding finance in startups and i'm just kidding Yeah, <laughs> no, no. I'd love to do that because I could have this conversation for hours. For the paucity of time, let's just you know dive deeper into uh, the simpler aspects, if not simpler uh, on the surface, simpler. But I'm guessing it's tough to execute, right? But uh, what is it that you know actually makes finance teams successful? So if you can perhaps touch a bit upon you know the aspects of culture and the non-technical aspects, because again and again, as I was preparing for this episode in. my head as well i was just figuring out you know what is it that we don't often talk about right so we can perhaps talk about the technicalities but somebody who's already a finance professional assuming that they are the technicalities are sorted these are some people skills uh, that you know can be reiterated and echoed so i think uh, if you can perhaps give us your learnings and cues there it'd be great to understand what's the secret to you know successful finance teams the culture that goes into setting them and how they can be a more inclusive part of the organization in totality and i think probably I'll, i'll i'll give this answer in a slightly different manner for me that is that for all teams to to succeed and deliver i think the single most important vector is communication communication and communication and and i think that holds true for a finance team as well and you know traditionally finance folks have not been the greatest communicators within the teams or outside of the of the finance teams and i think for for me i think that's the single biggest factor that makes any team successful because you know if you're not communicating you are keeping a lot in your head and you're forming views and perceptions and beliefs which should otherwise not happen because if you share and and quite honestly this is this has been my learning i mean it's not that i i'm sharing something which is coming i'm reading out of a textbook or sharing with you but i'm just sharing my thought process with you that in terms of how i have made teams you know i worked with large teams in the past and how i have driven those teams and what has you know made stick together for forever i mean you know even now i can tell you that i'm in touch with in most most of the folks who are part of the core team even if it is a, a maybe a short call for a minute or you know or exchanging greetings or meeting up on 
on i mean unfortunately last one year nobody's met nobody but uh, before that you know you kind of end up meetings at social occasion but you do and you do strike a chord no, but but maybe moving away from from that what i'm trying to tell you is that i think the biggest factor for me is making sure you are communicating and you're consistently communicating what you you want to say and also it also means that communication doesn't mean that it also has to be always nice 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 good things to be spoken about i think people love when you give them feedback provided it's constructive feedback and therefore that is also equally important that you're able to you know give that person whosoever you're talking to a perspective of of what you're saying and why you're saying i think also the the other biggest factor for me is that you know why teams work well and why teams some teams don't work well is because when the other person knows that the my manager or my supervisor is interested in my well-being and is interested in driving me forward you know he or she will always give you your the best there will never be a you will never be second guessing that person i think to me that has always worked well you know i've been very blessed uh, very early on to have a mentor with with me i mean he was the toughest person that i worked with in my life i always knew that at the bottom of his heart he always had good for me you know he was always pushing me forward even though he he may not have the the right ways of communicating that you know message to me or to others but he always had the the good of me and he was always teaching me something so that's one you know maybe the style is not what i've carried but that message is what i've always carried with me that if your team feels that you know you are thinking for them and your their good is what you're always thinking of you are thinking of ways and means of pushing them forward either making them learn and it's not necessarily about money and titles right i'm telling you honestly it's not about that it's it's about learning if the person feels that you are broad basing their their horizons you're enhancing their skills which they have not picked up or they have not seen i think is probably makes what makes the teams excel and i've seen people giving an arm and leg for that because you know in my you know i've been lucky enough to be part on both sides where i felt that i could i have to do that for my supervisor and where people that i've worked with you know have have always felt that you know you i and i don't want to be sounding poorer or boasting too much but i have had people when they knew that i have taken up a new job they were ready to move in with me because they just felt that you know we could work much better together and they didn't we didn't and when they moved in we didn't talk money we didn't talk job title all we spoke about was this is the task we need you for this can you deliver it to us in two months of your joining they have the belief i had the faith in them that they will deliver and i think that's what that's how the story you know or, or my journey with those folks has has continued because you know there's been always this belief in a trust that whenever you talking to this person he's always going to cover your back and this the other person always knew that this person is going to always think about my career development whether inside or outside of the organization so me i think to be to me the two biggest factors for building great teams is about communicating <clears throat> communicating and communicating and at the same point of time making sure that the other person knows that you are talking about his well being his interest and not and i don't just mean interest in form of you know compensation and other forms but overall interest if people know that you know they will always give you give their best to them or to you i i think those are the vectors that have always worked for me you know and also the other thing i believe is you know i can't you know you can't keep building a story around you don't have to be a storyteller while giving feedback to people uh, i think you should cut the chase on that one and come straight to the uh, land it softly but come straight uh, that helps people understand where they are and and they will appreciate what you're telling them 
beautiful pointers i think you know because i as you just mentioned this latter of the two points i think that's such a evident point for a leader in any aspect because you know to think about the welfare and keep people first in all of their aspects will automatically optimize for the processes for the execution and that goes a really really long way and i love the trust factor that you talked about right to just be able to trust the leader enough to transition with him speaks volumes of how you have managed teams and how we can take cues from that so i would really like to laud that fact and of course like i think the emphasis on communication as well is extremely wonderful with my limited experience as a professional i think uh, again it's a general rule of thumb as well that you know it's better to always over communicate than under communicate and especially the emphasis of it in finance is extremely wonderful to see as well sandeep i all I, as i was saying you know i love this conversation i i could go on and on but uh, to just you know let, let's say for the benefit of everyone and to be able to close this wonderful discussion without lengthening it further i'd like to present to you like an a very abstract question of sorts and i'd love if we can end on that note right so the world is full of you know especially in the startup ecosystem full of generalists as they call it right and there's a lot of fantasy about being a generalist being the jack of all trades and things like that right but in that world you stood out as somewhat a specialist right and i'm not trying to stereotype in any manner but for the benefit of the argument uh, how has it been to you know be able to focus on one core area of course you've gone into multiple verticals within finance as well but to keep uh, finance as a broad spectrum how has your experience been to dive deeper into it and be a specialist and a domain expert in an area which is often very very useful to organizations how has that been for you as opposed to the argument that you know the other pathway could have been to do multiple things across the board and be in uh, you know do do them as a generalist across the board so i think you know that's pretty much the question and i think uh, that'd be a great way to end this wonderful episode jivraj quite honestly you know my thought process is is a is is slightly you know Uh, maybe different and i'll tell you I, i i may be a specialist in the domain of of finance but i think in in the domain of business i think you need to know all aspects about about business for you to kind of help things move forward and some of that perspective also you know in my my life has changed and I, there's a very interesting book that i would you know urge people to to go back and read is is this book called range by david epstein and this book talks about how being a generalist helps winning in the in the specialized world of ours right where you and me are today being any that book illustrates you know points through many examples i don't know if you know about how you know tiger woods started his go- golfing career and how roger federer started uh, you know his t- tennis career both had a very different different path to being very successful in in where they are but the book kind of illustrates how you know the generalist path to becoming a specialist is probably more richer because it kind of gives you many experiences before you decide where you want to specialize on and it also then you know gives you aspects it makes you a little well rounded in terms of how to draw the interlinkages from other aspects or other parts of business and essentially over a period of time i think my my career in finance has only gotten you know i would say has gotten better because i've been able to understand and appreciate all the other nuances that get that get in making the business right how does you know the sales function work um, you know if i was only a specialist 
and only looking at my domain i would have not understood the interlinkages of of sales with finance and how finance can enable sales and you know how you should you should you should go about then pushing that forward from a business standpoint or similarly similar from technology how does technology could be enabled in in finance or the other way around so for me while yes i am a specialist but i honestly feel that it is very important for folks to have a view of things a little beyond you know their areas of of specialization because then you understand you know the the implications a little better and you know there is probably with that is another belief that you know i have that you know you you should definitely read outside your field every day you become your world becomes a you know a bigger world and it also helps you you know understanding and appreciating different aspects because if you kind of focused only on you know on that in that silo then maybe you know you could probably sometimes just get just get too too narrow in the way you think about it so to quite honestly for me this debate about you know being generalist versus specialist i think is 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 now is not there in my mind i mean i always used to you know think about early on in my career should i be a generalist or should i be a specialist should i be a specialist and but over a period of you know as i said last two decades i started with specialization but i think i pivoted to gener- to being a generalist and i think that helps me today immensely in my role and, and that could be because of where i am and what i am doing that i believe that you know being a generalist serves me today much better because when i get into a board meeting or a conversation with a founder you know i'm not just talking to him on finance i'm talking to him about business and that is what he or she you know relates to more and it helps me accomplished and drive home the point that i want to do from being which i would have done as a specialist but you know being a generalist just enables that conversation for me wonderfully well if the segue into that conversation is far more enabling than if i would have put that point across only as a specialist right because sometimes when you're a specialist you could you know want to sharp shoot and go to that point straight and you know not try enabling it from different sides of the of business but being a generalist made me more appreciative of other aspects helps me balance my point of view and then you know drive home that same message and get get results much faster i think from from me from that standpoint i think from being a specialist i have kind of pivoted to to being a generalist honestly uh, while as i said the domain you know still remains finance but helping me understand those other aspects and learn about that has immensely helped me becoming a better specialist uh you know if you may say so and a, a simple example the fact that today i talk to a consumer company and i talk to a tech company would not have been possible if i was only a specialist and i would have not been very effective in giving that same point of view to both sets of very different businesses if i would had a grain of specialization or i would have stuck to that grain therefore i think i have been better served but again this is not you know a secret sauce or a sauce that everybody should should follow because this has worked well for me but may not work well for for somebody else so i think you need to see where you you want to be i think personally for me i've always wanted to be you know on this side uh, then being on the on the specialist side and i think it works it's it's serving me well and it's serving you know my constituents my uh, stakeholders uh, you know well 
Absolutely. That's very evident as well. And in fact, you know, why this answer is especially beautiful is because you've clarified the fact that, you know, the specialist role is not a restrictive one per se, right? And you're a specialist in terms of the macro perspective of finance, but within it to be able to manage the multiple different micro tasks, you have to perhaps if not have to, you need to be a generalist as well to be able to bring in those multiple perspectives. And in fact, that combination is what, you know, stands out for yourself because from banking to insurance to multiple different portfolio companies and in your current role, there's so much breadth of experience and depth within those separate functions that I think it's a great, great takeaway for how youngsters can look at these two roles because specialists and generalists aren't mutually exclusive. I think increasing enough we think of them as separate dimensions and that need not be the case as you are a testament to so i think that was that was phenomenal to hear sandeep i think this has been a wonderful wonderful episode we've spoken about so many multiple dimensions and extracted some wonderful insights from you and this has been a ton of knowledge that i myself have inculcated so thank you so so much for your time sandeep this has been absolutely wonderful Oh, I really enjoyed it. You know, I always thought that I can't speak for hours, but Juraj, you made me speak. So thank you so much for, you know, helping me understand a little bit uh, more of myself. And maybe, you know, this maybe just kind of pushes me to pursue podcasts a little bit more religiously and seriously, which I've always been honestly, you know, shunning away from because I just thought that I can't speak endlessly, but you kind of extracted that out of me. So thank you so much for, you know, having me over here and, you know, getting me engrossed into the conversation uh, and discovering a newer aspect about my own self. My pleasure. And I would encourage that because there's so much to learn from professionals like you and we cannot have enough of all of you talking about and telling us the learning so that we can learn from them in a very, very broad manner. So thank you. Thank you so much, Sandeep, for being here. It's been an honest pleasure and honor for me. Thank you. Thanks, Raj. Take care. Spectacular. That conversation was wonderful. Extremely candid, structured, and actionable in terms of ensuring that early stage teams understand the importance of finance and the core traits required to excel in the domain. What stood out for me is Sandeep's ideology to embrace challenging environments, rising to the occasion, and excelling as a generalist. That was it from the 55th episode of the Indian Silicon Valley podcast, Finance 101 with Sandeep Kher of Sequoia, India. Thank you so much for tuning in. I really hope you enjoyed the episode as much as I did. Do follow the podcast on the audio streaming platform of your choice, drop in a review and subscribe to our WhatsApp newsletter to get all the updates directly on your inbox. Thanks again. I will see you next week for another episode. Till then, I hope you recall. If you never try, you'll never know. Stay tuned and keep building.